Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. And today it's particularly important that you be watching because we have a lot of wonderful visuals to share with you because I am speaking with artist, sculptor, Dick Alden. Thanks for coming in today. I'm delighted to be here and thank you for the opportunity. We are so happy to have all of these pieces that um, I am surrounded by today. It really is, when I see your work, it, it just just grounds me in a way. It just makes me feel very, well, peaceful. And that's, and that's a word that I think that you like having associated with your work. Yes, yes, I do. And uh, I'm so happy that you see my work for what it is. Uh, my work's uh, about emotion, uh, about rhythm and harmony and peacefulness and love and joy. Soulmates uh, is also very important. I've done a series uh, of joys. I've done a series of soulmates. And for me, the soulmates are about a relationship uh, of two beings who uh, together grow much further and higher than they do individually because we help each other along. And that to me is... um, one of the most uh, greatest treasures we can have is that kind of a relationship. So I did, I've done maybe 10 soulmates. I've done six joys. I've done many, many different pieces like that in series. You've provided me with so many different directions I can go in with <laughs> with your comment, which doesn't always happen in an interview. Uh, but I'm going to start with the idea that you have your own real life walking around on the planet soulmate that you actually brought with you today. Yes. Priscilla. Yes. Does some of your inspiration for your art come from your relationship with her? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Priscilla is a a fiber artist. She uh, is a tapestry weaver, uh, very active in the different tapestry organizations. And she also does printmaking, including encaustics. Uh, and yes, we share a studio together. So we built a studio in 2008 when I was just about to retire because I said, Priscilla, I want to be in the same studio as you. And she said, well, you make so much noise and dust and how is this going to work? And so I convinced her finally with a, an acoustics engineer friend of mine who arranged to put a, a design to wall between our different studios. So we have a 3540 uh, by 40 metal building, and it's separated uh, in the center by two six-inch stud walls stuffed with insulation. Uh, There's no holes in the walls, and the only uh, access we have to each other is through a bathroom. It is also our art library. So um, she says uh, it's tolerable, and I do most of my work outside anyway when I'm really making a lot of noise. Uh, but in the, for example, in the winter, when I do smaller pieces uh, by hand, I'm inside. And what's wonderful about this is that, you know, we work side by side. And it's almost like, um, what are they called in child psychology? They call it uh, um, parallel play. So she's on her side doing her artwork, and I'm on my side doing mine. And every once in a while, we'll say, can you come over and check out my work and see what you think. 
and give me your critique, and she does the same for me. So it's, uh, it just works out beautifully. We're very lucky. When we asked you about the art um, you would like to have as a backdrop, because obviously we can't put one of your sculptures on our wall, right. you suggested that Dietlin would be a good choice for you. And, and you gave an interesting uh, reasoning behind that and a relationship between the work that Dietland does and the work that you do. Well, uh, Dietland, um, her work is very peaceful. It's calm, it's harmonious, uh, and it's also sculptural because encaustics is layering and layering and marking in the, in the wax and adding on and um, collaging and whatever else. And so I find her, her work very uh, uh, peaceful, uh, which I think my work is also very peaceful and calm and harmonious. Um, I like her marks. I like her gold leaf and um, her, her color and texture. So that's why I chose her work. Interestingly enough, this piece was a gift to me from my husband, who, of course, owns the art gallery. So it would make sense that I get art <laughs> gifts, and it's a really great situation for lucky? me. Huh? I am very lucky, <laughs> yes. And in front of me is another piece that I recently um, received as a gift from my husband that is one of yours. Yes, I'm, I just was delighted. What higher compliment than to have the gallery owner who sees so much art and chooses so much art uh, select a piece of mine for his soulmate. So I, I'm just, just delighted and so honored. Well, tell me about this piece. So this is called Peaceful Bird. And Peaceful Bird is it's alabaster, uh, a pretty piece of pinkish alabaster uh, that um, I think I had as a leftover hunk from another project. And I just love the rhythm of, of birds, um, particularly uh, sitting birds, and the the wonderful lines that they that they share. So this is to me all about rhythm lines. And um, when I when I did this, um, I, I sketch in charcoal often, and just start and I just make a mark. Boom, that's a mark. And then I make another mark that's rhythmical with it until I get it right, and it helps define what I'm trying to do. So this little guy to me is is just a Wonderful, very quiet, peaceful bird with a lot of, of wonderful rhythm. He's happy, he's calm, he's at peace. So that's a peaceful bird. <laughs> and when you decide what you're going to make out of um, the stone, do you know right away, or do you have to kind of contemplate what the stone is telling you you need to be thinking about? It's both. It's both. The stone does tell you where it wants to go. Um, one of the masters once told me there's no such thing as an accident when you're working on stone. It's all subtractive. You can't add anything back. Uh, so, um, uh, yes, it just... Uh, it, it just... This works. <laughs> so what about this this 
other piece that we have in front of us. So this piece is called Maternity, and this is a, a piece of, of translucent alabaster, um, which um, I love to work on. Again, these are both winter pieces um, uh, where I work inside, and I can use hand tools, all hand tools, because the stone is soft enough to use rasps and, and um, sandpaper and and just keep working it and working it um, by hand. Um, this piece I created, I think it was in April of 2020, when the pandemic was just starting to rage, uh, and everybody was so worried. When we took our, remember we brought our groceries in and we washed everything, you know, before we put it away, and it was just, it was just an anxious time, and. For me, um, this piece represents, and it's an exaggerated, figurative mother nursing her infant. Um, uh, to, to me, there, it was just so calming, like a mother holding an infant and nursing an infant um, with turmoil all around, but just that sense of calm, of beauty, of of. Uh, unconditional love. Um, so you see her with her arms exaggerated. I like negative space because I help, it helps for me to define it, but very exaggerated, just bringing them around, embracing this beautiful little child, and her head's turned down to face, to face her, to look at her child, but she's twisting. Um, again, this is part of the emotion and the rhythm. Uh, so she's twisting to get a little bit closer. And um, I think it came out pretty well, the way I hoped it would. So, but I, you know, I didn't realize until I finished this how calming it was, the whole process. Um, so I hope that uh, that emotes what I wanted it to do. But to take a piece of stone and create emotion out of it, that's what I try to do. It's there's so many wonderful human emotions that that um, you wouldn't think you could get out of a piece of stone, but for me, that's what I try to do. And I often write about my pieces, um, sometimes before, during, um, and after, to help me understand really what it was that I've created and why I did it. Um, and sometimes I don't know until it gets finished, really, what it's all about. So um, I think both of these pieces were quite successful for what I was trying to accomplish. On the other hand, you also have pieces with a lot of movement and sound. Yes. That children like. Yes, yes. In, in fact, when you were showing me these pieces, we, we were hearing from one of your other pieces. <laughs> That's behind you. Yes, so this is a piece of... Uh, this is one of my stone flowers, and um, as you can tell, it's it's not only um, gives you the sense of touch, but also of sound and motion. And I've been making these for over a decade, and everyone is different. Everyone is unique because. Um, so let me just back up and tell you, we went to a show uh, several years ago at the uh, Contemporary Art Museum in Boston, 
and it was the Black Mountain School. It was all about the Black Mountain School. Have you heard of that? Black Mountain School was uh, in North Carolina, and it was established as an art school. It, it, it didn't last. It was short-lived. It only lasted from 1933 to 1953. But it attracted uh, these wonderful avant-garde artists from the Bauhaus as they were escaping Germany. So, so Joseph and Annie Albert, um, uh, the de Koonings, Willem and, and Elaine de Kooning, um, Cy Twombly, uh, Buckminster Fuller with his geodesic dome. Uh, it was just it was a wonderful exhibit, and it just it just resonated. And one of the things that that really struck me was this term haptic, H A P T I C, and it defined it from the Black Mountain School perspective and uh, college perspective, and it was that. Haptic is related to the sense of touch. So the haptic for, for Black Mountain College was about the process of selecting the material, the process of making the art, and the bodily engagement of the maker involved in the art, in the creation. So for me, this is what it's all about. So this is about, I mean, this is about balance, uh, and the stones are balanced, so they almost tip. I spend a lot of time doing that. I spend a lot of time on the selection. I, when I, you know, I walk the shore, I'm always looking down, looking for that next stone. So I collect all kinds of stones, and I try to match the stones in some form to me and match the base. Uh, and these rods are solid brass. Um, and they're epoxied. So uh, when you go by and give them a tap, uh, you can hear the chiming. So you get sound as well. So for me, this is what this is all about. It's, it's, the, it's the, the, the touch, the touching, which you love to do. Uh, it's the uh, sound, um, it's the visual. Uh, so the, the haptic, by taking all those activities, um, the haptic is really combining the visuality with the tactility. So they're inseparable. So this, these pieces to me are just, they're just wonderful. And many of them have sold. People just love them. And they sit in your garden uh, or inside. Uh, and it just takes a little bit of breeze to move them. And, you know, you look at it and you say, wait a minute, stones aren't supposed to move but they're balanced. The largest ones I've done are 20 pounds. So it's seven foot high, 20 pound stones on a, on a rod, stainless steel rod. Think of the torque. And in the slightest breeze, those stones are just moving a little bit. So you walk by and you go, wait a minute, what is, what's happening there? So anyway, it's very exciting. I love to do it. And um, I'm gonna keep creating these as long as each one is unique. I've had people want to copy these because they think they can. But and it doesn't bother me. I guess that's flattery. But I just keep making them and they evolve and they're different. Everyone is different. So I don't mind if somebody else is trying to copy me. But I don't think they can do it the same way because I've been spending so many years just developing this process. 
and engaging in the in the in the process. And it's been wonderful. My understanding is that we have a hard time keeping these in the gallery. They're so popular. They seem to move along. Yeah. <laughs> People really enjoy them. Yes, they do. Yeah. Because again, you can look at them, you can go by and give them a a tap like that and you hear them chime so you get the sound you get the motion get the balance uh you get the visuality and the tactility anyway i'll keep doing as long as it's fun well i have to say that um i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say to kevin as you're editing this since i know that you like to give art for gifts and i love to get art for gifts we're going to get one of these someday for our garden. So just keep that in mind, okay? Just just so you know. <laughs> and also to apologize, of course, because this is, it is, it's, uh, people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, wow, that's a really distracting noise in the studio. But you know what? I love it. Good, thank you. People are going to hear it and they're going to be like, where is all that noise coming from? But I think it's such a great reminder that there's peace and there's stillness but then there's the opposite. There's motion and there's right. kind of... So these, actually, the inspiration for these came from the meadows and fields with the, the cattails and the beautiful tall of, uh, grasses that are so grace, graceful in, in the, just their natural movement. Um, but that's where it came from. Um, when I first started making these, uh, I, I, I tend to be most creative in that twilight zone between awake and sleep and awake early in the morning, and these just came to me. And I said, I'm going to try that. So I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but it works. <laughs> well, as you're saying this, actually before you even talked about the early morning piece, I think about the time that I wake up quite early in the morning, and you think of it as being a time of darkness and quiet and solitude, but it's really not. It's never, it's never quiet. Because there are always, in the summer, you have the crickets if it's very warm. In the winter, you might have the ice on the branches um, kind of hitting against um, other branches. You might have the rain in the mornings. So even even peacefulness actually has a sound yeah. to it. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same wavelength, <laughs> <Yes>. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I see one of these in our garden future. Wonderful. If, if we can actually tear them out of the hands of other people who want to get them from I the gallery. I'd be happy to customize it for you. Oh, good you, to know. You might have stones. I start collecting. Okay. I start collecting stones about that size. Okay. All right. It's a project for us. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and also for other people who are interested in their own stone flowers. Dick's going to do this for you, so keep that in mind. <laughs> How about this piece uh, behind me? I mean, this is a really wonderful uh, color to this rock. It's a serpentine. Serpentine. Yeah. Serpentine is a greenish um, stone. It's, uh, I'd say, a medium hardness, um, maybe a little harder than marble, um, but it carved nicely and it uh, polished up beautifully. Um, I love to put a high polish on some of my pieces um, to bring out the texture. I love the texture in the in the stone. So this piece is called Love Ring, and um, this also um, well, it's one of my themes is peace and love and harmony and balance. Uh, and so this this is two beings 
coming up together and then crossing over in a in a hug, if you will, um, but a real embrace. Um, and the negative space to me um, helps to uh, accentuate the motion uh, and the uh, emotion. So um, yes, I was very pleased with how that came out, and I was trying to figure out how to what kind of a base to put it on. Um, I wanted something that was unobtrusive, so it didn't take away from it, but also supported it. So um, I contracted with a um, metal shop to weld three discs together and then weld on a pin. So that's how it's supported. I painted it black, and I think it works. You're raising kind of an important point, which is that these pieces, they, they actually have a weight to them. They have a heft to them. And some of the ones that are small, we can obviously carry around. But um, from what I understand, sometimes people will call up the gallery and they'll say, well, you know, I, I love this piece and I, I'm going to just kind of carry it away with me. But it's, it's so heavy that you couldn't actually do that. You actually yeah. need to have like machinery that can move some of the work that you do from place to place. Right. I mean, it's made of stone. Stone, and stone is heavy. And you, a cube of stone, which is 12 by 12 by 12, generally weighs between 170 and 180 pounds. And it doesn't take long to add up to several cubes, uh, cubic feet. And um, so, yes. But that, that's part of the challenge uh, to um, figure out how you're going to move these pieces. And there are, there are ways. There are, there's machinery. There's strong young men to hire who <laughs> can help move this. Or strong young women. Or strong young women, yes, true. Um, uh, so um, that's what I've been doing more recently is just hiring people to help me move it. I remember having a conversation with June Lacombe, who does yes. all of her work um, as a kind of a, a sculptor, curator of sculptures. Mm -hmm. And and she talked about these shows that she would curate in, on her property. And it would require machinery. It would require people moving in, moving out, and it would take days to place everything. Yes. I think she uses an ex a guy with an excavator. So for me, that's an interesting contrast because on the one hand, you're describing these very lyrical notions of love and peace and uh, gentle movement. And on the other hand, there's the very practical idea that these are made of stone. Yes, they're made of stone, which means they'll be around forever, which is important. Um, they will, won't deteriorate unless you try to put alabaster outside, which you can't do, but, but the granite and the marble um, will last a long, long time. And that's important. So it's a, there's a kind of a monumental um, uh, presence to them um, that they're not going anywhere. So you're, you're literally solidifying love. I hadn't heard that expressed that way, but yes. <laughs> I mean, you're putting a physicality around something yes, yeah. that is more ethereal in nature. Yes, yes. Yes, that's a good description. Thank you. You're welcome. You, you came from, speaking of contrasts, your original career, and I understand you actually thought about going to medical school back in the day, decided against it, went into business and finance. Mm -hmm. So 
again, talk about... With a liberal arts (laughs) degree. And you went to the University of Vermont where I got my medical degree, so you and I have that in common as well. So kind of play that out for me. How did that end up being your path and then coming back around to becoming an artist? I don't know exactly. I've always liked to... um, One of the courses I took at UVM, I thought it was a gut course. I had to take another course. So I took ceramics, uh, which was not a gut course. And also, I really enjoyed it. And I, what I enjoyed was the formation of, of not doing anything exact, but forming the clay, you know, um, uh, out, of, out of the sheets when you, I forget the term that that is, but, but then you put them together and then you use the slip and design and do all this other, which I really love to do. So that, was, I guess, was my first um, opportunity to do some art. But then I got into business and had a, you know, a young family and uh, uh, where I, the place I worked, State Street Bank, uh, paid for my graduate school. So I got an MBA at Northeastern through them, going nights and studying weekends and whatever with a young family. And there was just no time to do anything else, <laughs> as you understand. Um, uh, and so it was in my mid-40s that I started to get a little more interest, and I saw this uh, wood carving course being offered in adult education, so I took it, and I really enjoyed it. I did mostly reliefs. I did uh, uh, a lot of... Uh, we sailed a lot at that time, so um, my uh, uh, friend's sailors uh, all needed stern boards, so I carved some pretty neat stern boards, uh, for them, um, with, uh, you know, thistles in the end, a boat named Thistle or something else like that. Um, and I, so I really enjoyed that. But then I've always loved the coast of Maine and the stones and the rocks. And the, and I just said, i gotta, I got to try this. So I picked up a cold chisel and a hammer and just started banging away. And I made that's my first bird bath I made. I still have it. Um, and uh, then just kind of self-taught. Until I uh, went up to the Common Ground Fair and met the Stoneworkers Guild people up there and said, you know, what kind of tools do you guys use or gals use? And so they gave me a lot of good information. I went back and did more of that. And then, so I only could do it on weekends in nice weather because we didn't have, I didn't have a studio at that time. So it was outside my house. The neighbor, one of my neighbors said, you know, sometimes it sounds like a dentist drill across the street. I said, oops, okay, sorry about that. You know, that <laughs> from the diamond tools and whatever. Um, so that's another reason I wanted to build a studio that was, you know, in, in the woods a bit. Uh, and um, uh, just lost my train of thought here for a second. Um, oh, yes. So uh, I did. I was a self-taught. I took a couple of courses, uh, workshops with Constantine Serfilis, who was uh, spent 20 years at the National Cathedral doing gargoyles and saints and whatever else, a wonderful man. But he had a home in Pemaquid, a summer home in Pemaquid, so he, through the uh, Round Top Center for the Arts, uh, gave a couple of workshops, and I took two of those from him. He was, he was wonderful. He was pretty elderly at the time, but he was great. And then Don Meserve, Don Justin Meserve from Round Pond, who taught at RISD and other schools, and uh, he was just a great mentor. So I learned a lot from him as well. He got me involved in the symposiums 
uh, and the symposiums where you get a group of like-minded stone sculptors uh, together at a site, and you work for 10 days straight. And using the stone, uh, first ones were at J.C. Stone in uh, Jefferson. Uh, and so you select the stone, they gave us the stone, they gave us the site, uh, they had the big equipment to move everything. Um, so uh, Don invited me to my first symposium, and which I was so lucky for. He said, listen, I've, I've helped organize this, I'm going to invite my friends. So it was transformative for me, because... Here I was with, as Priscilla calls them, my tribe, people that dust and noise and heavy equipment and all of this. It's just so much fun. And I learned so much from everybody who was so generous about their time and their techniques and their tools and their eye for helping me accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Um, so I, I, I've been involved. Oh, and, and then uh, Don got me involved in the Maine Stoneworkers Guild. Um, where uh, at my first meeting, I was elected treasurer, you know, the former banker, of course, right away. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Um, but it's been great. Uh, uh, the Maine Stoneworkers Guild uh, has been involved in, um, I think, five or six symposia over the last decade or so, uh, about every two years. There's a lot of work that goes into to organizing these and raising money and, you know, for, for, for everything you need. Um, but each one has just been so informative uh, and helpful. Um, and uh, it's just, uh, we just keep going with that. And that's, that's one of the other things that we enjoy about these symposia is that all free, open to the public. So come on in, we'll stop our carving if you want to, and then come in and look at what we're doing. I can explain it to you. Here's the tools, here's the... Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what it might look like, you know, from a little maquette or whatever. Um, and so the public just seems to be very attracted to it. Um, and that's part of the education component. So what, I'm, what my interest now is, my other interest behind making art, is uh, developing education programs and events that will help perpetuate the art and craft of stone sculpting and stone working. So um, that's what I, these symposia do, uh, in addition to workshops and demonstrations and whatever else. Um, so it's been, it's, it's just been great. So we created at the Stoneworkers Guild, I went out and through the IRS and whatever, created a 501c3 as an education fund. So we have a, a charitable organization now um, official charitable organization and can receive donations and whatever. So we have received uh, part of Don Reserve's collection. He passed away about 10 years ago uh, and selling that for educational programming. Um, uh, I'm also involved in Skudik International Sculpture Symposium, uh, which uh, over one decade ran five... Um, international symposium and symposia they would bring for six weeks and they would run for six weeks and they would bring uh, artists from all over the world very accomplished artists artists and they created monumental art i don't know if you've been on the sculpture trail down east mm -hmm. okay so you you go through these little villages and there's you know a beautiful piece of monumental 15 feet high monumental art uh, it's just wonderful so 
uh, their treasurer uh, retired, so they asked me to be treasurer there. And now the mission is not only to support and promote the sculpture trail, but also to create more international exchange opportunities. So in 2017, between Skudik and the Maine Stoneworkers Guild, we brought um, a Japanese sculptor from Japan to, uh, to uh, Booth Bay. It was at the Booth Bay Railroad Village. Uh, and um, also we had some interns there, young, interested uh, sculptors. Uh, so that was wonderful. Uh, and he, did, he did a beautiful piece. Um, and then in 2019, at the Booth Bay Common, um, we had 14 sculptors plus two Japanese guests who uh, Skudik brought over. They paid to bring them over, but we had to find them lodging and food and everything else. Um, and, and then we had also two interns from Mecca, Maine College of Art, uh, uh, from their sculpture professor recommended them, uh, and then some other helpers. And it was just wonderful. It was so busy. Uh, uh, but uh, everybody uh, was engaging of the public uh, um, and uh, created such incredible work, which is now most of it is on the sculpture trail in Booth Bay Harbor. So they've developed a sculpture trail through the Chamber of Commerce, which partnered with us in 2019, uh, with the guild to create this symposium. Um, but now there's almost 30 sculptures outside in Booth Bay, around Booth Bay Harbor. Uh, they're free. They're there year-round. Um, businesses love to have them out in front. Uh, and so it's just more of this educational component. So um, it's just a lot of fun to be involved with that and to get... And to get, for example, at, oh, we're having another symposium um, September 10th to the 20th, or 9th to the 19th, in Hollowell. It was supposed to occur last year as part of the Maine Bicentennial, uh, about the Hollowell, the history of the Hollowell granite, um, granite works, and, uh, which was there for, I don't know, maybe 100 years. Um, so we're having a, a symposium there uh, with six sculptors, and two or three interns, um, and uh, a lot of demonstrations, and open to the pub, free to the public, and we'll be working from to the public from ten to four every day, and um, just just more about education and fun. Oh, we also have through one of our guild members um, a tent set up with uh, soft stone sculpting. So with little chips of alabaster and soapstone, there's no hammers. We don't want kids in there with hammers hitting each other. So, so uh, everything is with files, you know, rasp and files and sandpaper and hand drills and whatever. And it's amazing. We've had this at the Common Ground Fair for a number of years. Uh, it was created by our, uh, one of our members, uh, 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 Obadiah Buell, sorry, it's, I had to think for a second. Obadiah um, uh, loves to teach, and he loves to have kids involved. So he'll sit there in the tent with this, everything set up, a couple of tables, and just be there, you know, working on a little piece. And all of a sudden, a couple of kids, families come over, and the next thing you know, the place is 
jammed because everybody is having fun working on little stone, soft stone sculptures. This is an introduction to them. And we hope that this can, can light a spark in some of them who want, might want to go on and, and continue to become a sculptor, a stone sculptor. So it's all things like that that are, that are so much fun and um, are, are actualizing the education component that we're trying to create. So it's very important you know, to pass on the skills and the techniques and the enthusiasm uh, for stone because uh, we don't want that to be lost. You know, some of these get people off the tablets and onto the off their devices and actually doing something creative. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's a lot of what I'm what I'm involved with now. And for you, having the sculpture trail in Booth Bay Harbor is very nice because you live um, at Ocean Point, right? Which is part of Booth Bay Harbor, right? So right. you get to enjoy. The work that you hope other people are also enjoying. Absolutely, and it's not just stone sculpture; it's also you know metal um, uh, creations, and it's uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Well, I've very much appreciated the chance to talk with you about this work. I think um, you're right that there's a there's a need to kind of continue on with the sculpting conversation in a way that's probably slightly different than the art conversation because it's just a different it's a different way of approaching creativity. Yeah. And it's messy, you know, it's dusty, it's noisy. Nobody wants to be around you when you're doing this because you're in a cloud of dust, you know, you have, and you have a face, you know, respirator on and goggles and ear protectors and gloves and everything else. Uh, but when you stop and show people, they, they seem fascinated by it and really interested. So that's what we hope. <laughs> and then you have this very nice, non-messy end result. That's right. That's right. We clean up good, as they say here. <laughs> that's right. Well, I have um, I've enjoyed my own gift from my husband. Thank you for making this. I'm going to say you made it for me. You just, you just didn't, I didn't know it at the you time. You didn't know it at the time. But I did. But you did. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you for this opportunity. It's really wonderful to be with you and, and to uh, tell you what I do and why I do it. So thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. I've been speaking with sculptor Dick Alden. I encourage you to go to maybe one of the locations that he's described to see his sculptures and also other people's. But if not, go to the Portland Art Gallery. Maybe consider bringing one of his wonderful gifts into your home or into your garden. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Dick. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much.